This is Bo Buchanan, Arizona Lodge Number 2, and I'm here speaking on the level with Tony Hernandez. And Tony, I usually start out by asking uh, you to tell me, give me your name, the name of your home, Blue Lodge, and any offices or titles you have connected to that lodge. Okay, Tony Hernandez. Um, I am the current Worshipful Master at Phoenicia 58 Green Accepted Masons. And are you a member of any other appendant body? I am. I am a 32nd degree Scottish Rite Mason KCCH. And also... Uh, oh, and uh, the president of the Writers of the Third Degree, a uh, what I, I guess I self-described as an alternative motorcycle group of the Grand Communication, <laughs> um, which does charitable work, uh, and we're trying to get official recognition by the Grand Lodge. Okay, I'm going to get back to that, but before sure. we go there, do you remember when you first heard of this thing called masonry? In a very... Uh, the way I became a mason is a really kind of different story because when I was I'm going to say about 25 or 26 years old my grandmother gave me a ring that was my grandfather's hmm. it wasn't a Masonic ring but to a Mason or a, that's walking by because of the way the stone was set up and stuff it every now and then would I guess look like one so I'd be when I first got this ring I had at least two on two occasions that I remember um, Gentleman asking me, just kind of off the cuff, are you a, are you a Mason or are you a traveling man? I think it was one. Of, I just don't remember, but it was something that was very confusing to me because I know somebody said Mason, and having relatives who had laid bricks for years, I'm like, why would he think I was a bricker? <laughs> I didn't know what a Mason was. Right. I had no idea. You know, I knew what a Mason was. My cousin Vince and my, cousin, and my and my uncle Vince, who both you know, I mean, worked with their hands and laid bricks. The, that was the only thing I knew about masonry. For fast forward, I don't know, 2003, 2004, it happens again. But now we have the miracle of the internet. Right. So I look up Mason, and all of a sudden I get this completely al different alternative. Definition of and that was here in Arizona. Yeah, that was. I've only lived in Arizona. I was born in Los Angeles, but basically grew up in Tempe, Arizona, all my life. Moved to Phoenix just to get a little family separation. Keep moving a little further north every so often just to, to keep that that separation because it's more comfortable that way. Um, so I uh, looked it up and I was kind of oh, and then of course the History Channel does their gig for right. masonry, which I know a lot of people don't like it. I watch it, and know it's completely wrong. But it gets the door knocking, so I'm not going to complain because it actually was the kind of the final straw after my research, and then seeing that, and then doing a little bit more research, seeing all the crazy stuff, but deciding that the sane stuff, especially the historical stuff, was a lot more interesting than the crazy stuff. So I decided, you know, devil be damned, which is usually where they end up, you know, the 99th degree or 101. Dalmatian degree Mason from Dalino is where, you know, they, they're all over the internet. Looked it up, hit some, I guess, some right sites because it just, the, the description of it really hit home for me, which at the time, being self-employed, dealing with a lot of uh, interior design women, a lot of women in general, just in general, never have dudes hanging around. My best friend moves to Washington, D.C., you know, that kind of stuff. Looked like a good opportunity to get some guy time. Aside from, oh, and they char they're charitable. Even better. I'm starting to go, okay, this is getting good. And what year was this? Do you remember? 2005? 2005, okay. No. 2005? No. No, that was later. I'm sorry. Uh, 
probably 2009. 2009. Okay. Yeah, it happened a little bit earlier, but it got into about 2009 is when I started really looking into it, where I was going like, this is interesting, and I had nothing else to do. The economy had just crashed. Right. I'm an architectural photographer in a crashing real estate economy. How I'm here to this day, I could not tell you, but luckily it all worked out. Okay, I was a realtor at that time. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> I was right there with that. I mean, you know, then you understand where I'm at. So I got some time, too. Yeah, yeah. So I decided I'm going to become, I'm at least going to look into it. Look into becoming a mason. So I get on the internet, I go find the Grand Lodgers, and there's a list of lodges, and it went Grand Lodge. And I started going down the lodges, and the one thing I knew that I wanted to do was, if I'm just going to do this, like everything else that I do, I'm going to be active, I'm going to be involved, and I'm going to do it well. It's the way I approach everything. I'm a little OCD about everything, so it makes it easy for me to, you know, do things and just want to do, do them well, no matter what they are. Right. So I started going down the list, and I get to... Paradise Valley Silver Trail. Didn't look at their grass, didn't look at anything, just said, eh, I don't want to go to Paradise Valley too far. Kept going. That's how close I came to becoming PBST. Because I'm looking, at that point, I'm just looking for the closest lodge I could find. And I get down to Phoenicia. Ah, 28th, oh, that's not very far at all. <laughs> Perfect, I'll try them. Having no idea that Phoenicia and PBST were the same people. Had I looked at PBST's address, I'd more in the same building. Yeah. I would have probably been. I think you mean on different nights. Yeah, but I didn't know any of that. I just knew that I didn't want to drive all the way to Paradise Valley, not knowing that that was the exact same building with the exact same address because I didn't. I just read the name. Right, right. So I show up and. Uh, I dressed well because you don't, we want to make a good impression. You never know, but you know how Phoenicia's a little bit more. I've come to find out a little bit more of a casual lodge. A little the bit blind, more. relaxed, didn't know anybody. Just showed just up. looked into it. I think I may have sent a uh, letter or an email to the uh, website. You know, how do I go about this? Greg Weissman contacted me, and it wasn't until a year later that I actually showed up after contacting the lodge because I you get busy, blah blah blah. Then come back. They came back to my head. I show up. Bunch of guys, a couple of guys on oxygen, I mean, a lot of old guys. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting there holy crap, you know. Yeah. Luckily, Emmett, who is our current uh, Tyler, walks up. Hi, my name is Emmett, you know, like the Masons are supposed to. My name is Emmett, what's your name, blah, blah, blah. And he introduces me to the guys, sit down, we have dinner. I leave, they go to the meeting, I go home, and I'm like, and my wife goes, what'd you think? And I said, I don't know. I said, but I kind of liked it. The guys seemed cool. I'll try it again. Went back again, had the same experience, only met a couple more guys. Uh, our past master of last year, Jason Easterday, was a little bit closer to my age. You know, he was in the 30s. Being in my 40s at the time, we were closer to age than a lot of the guys that were in the oh, We kind of started hitting it off relating to it. So I started going down. I really enjoyed it. Six months, went through my thing. Um, went through my degrees. Uh, took me about six months to get through them all because I didn't like, I didn't want to present anything that wasn't presentable. I didn't want to sound like an idiot. I wanted to know you with your work. Yeah, exactly. I wanted it to sound good. Yeah. That was, you know, one of the things that, because as I read it, I'm just like, this is some heavy shit. Well, aside from that, but the more you read it, the more you get out of it. You know, when I started learning the lectures to become a master, it's just like, holy crap, that's what, the, that's what that's, I mean, it really started to hit home. I mean, it just like all started to make sense. And then having good masters in between there to the time I became a master really motivated me to kind of take ownership of the lodge and what's going on with, you know, because you can sit on the sidelines if you want, all, you know, from the time you become a, a mason to the time you die. 
or you can get your hands dirty. I like getting my hands dirty. So after sitting almost for a year silent, afraid to stand up, do garden signs, and then talk in public with these guys that I had a lot of respect for but didn't know very well even a year later, you know, um, then it got fun, you know, and then we started having more fun, and then we got a master who was very focused on fun. So, so the year the year that you were raised was 2009 or 2010? 2010. 2010. 2010 you were raised as a master master. <clears throat> yeah. And then, you know, kind of went from there. So that time period from when you sent that email, you said you sent an email and then for a year you just kind of fell off. Mm -hmm. And then from the time that you showed up to a meeting, once you went to the first meeting, you were in. You were hooked. I don't think I missed... I think I missed my first meeting <clears throat> as a Mason or non-Mason um, last year because of an insane toothache. In <laughs> Seriously? First meeting you missed? In, in, since wow. I became a Mason. Wow. I don't miss meetings. I love my... That's why I go. We, are, we have a group of guys that... We hear, the, we hear the stories. We hear the clicks. We hear the this. We hear the that. Yeah. Our freaking lodge is too small for clicks. You want to be, become a click, go sit in the corner by yourself. We'll make fun of you there if you'd like. We can do that for you. If you want to be by yourself, we offer you. We, of your own free will and accord is the way we roll. You want to have fun and have a good time, come to Phoenicia. If you want to be a stuffy whatever, go somewhere else. We don't have time for it. We don't want to be the biggest lodge. We don't want to have the most members. We just want to be the best lodge with the best members. That's the way we 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 spend I spend more time with these guys than I do with a lot a lot of my family because we have stuff to do and we genuinely all like each other. So what is it that so you so flash forward ten years you've been in six years mm -hmm. you're you're a worshipful master of a lodge I am um, what is it you like these guys you're having fun what is it that's pulled you forward and kept you going and kept you motivated and interested I, I guess the initial lure was the uh, the secret. Finding out what the hell was behind that damn door. <laughs> you know, you have dinner with these guys, they're, you know, doing all sorts of stuff. They're doing little I don't know what the hell they were doing, but I was just like, I want to know what's behind that door. I'm just I've always been that way. I'm very curious. And once I got it started then I'm like, okay, now that I've got my first degree, well, I want to find out what's in the second degree. And then I want to find out in the third degree. Okay, well while I'm working on my second degree, I've kind of already done that. We, you can't schedule anything. What can I do now? Well, learn the apron lecture. Okay, I'll do that. So I learned the apron lecture. Well, have you learned it? Yeah. You want to give it? Sure. Okay. So I gave it. Gave myself about a C plus. I don't know. They thought it was fine. I hated it because it didn't come out the way I wanted. <laughs> right. By the third time I had given it, I felt I had done the candidate right. Not me. The candidate, yeah. you know what I mean? Because it had to be as heartfelt as I felt about the words that I was giving. And if I could just present it that way where it got to me as I was presenting it, I'm hoping I got to them that same way. Because that lecture started the session with Freemasonry for me because it was so beautiful and so well read and so important that I just figured the rest of it had to be that important. And I just started reading. And when you start doing everybody's part in Lodge <laughs> as you sit there and they start giving you a hard time about mouthing Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Because I want to make sure that I knew every single part where I was going to be. I just wanted to know what it was all about. And I figured out that was the best way to learn. So, and that's what started it all is that one lecture just got me hooked. But six years later, what keeps you going? What keeps you motivated? Why are you still going? My brothers, for one, 
I love every single one of them like like a brother. Um, I, there's nothing I wouldn't do for any of those guys because I know there's nothing they wouldn't do for me. Some guys I get along with great, some guys I get along with well. You know, some guys are, I consider my best friends. Some guys could be my worst enemy one day and my best friend the next, but you know what? We're brothers and that's what makes it fun because who didn't fight with their brother? <laughs> I get accustomed. You know what I mean? I had a sister we used to fight, let alone a brother. You know, we fight like brothers. <laughs> but you know what I mean? And when you get to that level of comfort, yeah. where you could, I mean, I, the vice president of our club, we've had some great, we call it college conversations. But in the end, we laugh about it because we both had points to make and we're both hard-headed son of a bitches. and where it's going to go. But in the end, we laugh about it and we come to some kind of agreement and we move forward. You know, because... That's the worst kind of thing that can happen to a lodge is animosity between brothers. It's happened a couple times, even before I was master, that I just went in and squashed it. You and you. Uh-uh. No. Go over there, talk until, when you're done, shake and hug it out, otherwise I'm not going to let you out of the room. So you, you bring up a good point. The worst the master is the guy who's in charge of the lodge. And no, but that's a good way of putting it. Well, that, uh, however you want to describe it, I guess my point is usually the worshipful master sets the tone. You know, and you're setting the tone very to much, say, very much. no fighting. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of worshipful masters have a, I don't know if you want to say a theme or an agenda or whatever when they're a worshipful master. What, what would you say your, your goal or theme as a worshipful master is at Benicia? That was super easy because I went through this with the master, outgoing master who decided he needed to know everything I was going to do. And that's, <laughs> and that's cool, but... Pretty sure I don't have to do that. <laughs> so I love him dearly, but I said, listen, man, the budget is the budget you put in installed. Nothing's going to change there. He goes, well, what's your agenda? I said, well, my agenda is fun. He goes, what do you mean? I said, fun. I want to make sure the guys have fun. Because that's not agenda. I said, yes, it is. <laughs> and I've, in six months, I proved him wrong because we are, we've gone from maybe seven, eight guys on the sidelines to averaging almost 20 guys every single meeting. Wow. We've had a uh, Hawaiian shirt night that had 24 guys all in Hawaiian shirts at Lodge. We took a picture. I was going to send it to the uh, Grand Lodge of Hawaii just for, you know, for chuckles. But five bucks a guy to get in. Uh, best shirt wins half the money, which you can donate back to the Lodge if you'd like to, which is always the, the you know, admonition at the end. We did get half of the half, so we did pretty good there. <laughs> and uh, we had a barbecue in February with burgers and dogs and potato salad and the whole deal and everybody's wearing Hawaiian shirts. And luckily it was one of the nicest days of the year because I was hoping for just a rainy cold, you know, just to get that. Re- so we could be in Hawaiian shirts and feel the summer in the middle of the winter. And the guys loved it. And the only question when we were done was, what's next? Well, July, we're doing a sports shirt jersey month. Ooh, cool. Definitely worthwhile. Wear a sports jersey, five bucks a guy, you can win half. Donate whatever you want back or keep it all. Or take us to the bar and buy us all, buy us all a beer because we always go afterwards. Pretty much anybody who's there, unless they have to be home right away, we always go afterwards at least for a soda or a beer or whatever. We have all the kinds to all show up in one room. At the half moon right over here, they have a little room for us. We call it High Room's Lounge. We love it. High Room's Lounge. Oh, yeah. And we have, you know, the, the waitresses get to know who we are, and they know all our orders, and we sit, and that's where we do our masonry. That's where we get 90% of our work done. All our ideas come from there. All our brotherhood comes from there. And when we're done with that, I'm ready to put an agenda together for the next meeting, because that's where we work. Because we've got to do this. 
but no saying that you can't get the basic stuff done without having to be in the lodge. And that's why we so, so brotherhood, you know, like a lot of guys say, brotherhood is the, is the first thing. What else? Anything else? Charity is the, it actually eclipses brotherhood, but without the brotherhood, I can't do the charity. And charity is my 99.9% .9 concern about why I became a Mason, is it gave me an opportunity. And I'm finding, I'm conjuring new ways to be more charitable because you get to a certain point of what's available and you go, oh, I could probably give you this. And that's where the writers came from. Cause it was, so tell me about the, you, we talked about this before we started the interview, so right. I'm make you repeat some of it. Sure. Tell me about writers of third degree. Writers was a, uh, an idea that came out of Phoenicia Lodge with the help of our current master at the time, which was Jason Schneider, who was the master who was the one when I was saying that we got, finally ran into a master that made it fun and exciting and a good time. He was the guy. He said, I go, we're thinking about starting our own group. The other group isn't what we're looking for. We'd like to, you know, get your back in. He goes, 100%. I would love to be the master who started this group because he knew us. He knew all of us. We had five guys ready to rock and roll. And uh, he knew that we would represent in the proper way. So he said, go for it. So we went for it. We got our, took us at least a month of really bad names to come up with a good one. <laughs> Some of the, I, I won't even mention some of the ideas that came up for names because we laughed for hours till we came up with the writers of third degree. We wanted to be really it simple. Sounds perfect, yeah. Yeah, anybody, cool. it didn't come easy. I mean, we went through all the, you know, the, this, the, that. The, I mean, there was some that we just went, no. <laughs> and I don't remember if they were so bad. I think I blanked them or whatever it was. We just had to get rid of them. Um, but so we found this idea. And from there, it took another two months of me messing around with the design and the symbolism because I wanted it to be heavy. I wanted it to be symbolic and I wanted only Masons, real Masons, to know what the hell was going on because we were aside, we had to put the Masonic Writers Association patch at the bottom for practical reasons. But I wanted a Mason from anywhere, anywhere in the world, anywhere in our Driving state, buying a car on a highway, whatever, and see that particular symbolism on that patch, including the fact that it was a square. We started with the most basic symbol. From there, the three degrees, you know, and then the three, the three stars are the three lights, you know, and then we have the skull and crossbones for obvious reasons. The colors are very important. We have an entire uh, patch lecture. Green? Well, the green... <laughs> This is a part of the story that may, eh, you know, I don't, I don't care. When we were, it, our green is very specific. We have to custom order, our embroiderer has to custom order our green for us. It's a very specific color from a very specific company because we found this color in the process of going through the Widow Sons thing. One of the things we liked about them was in Europe, they were a square and a compass. So it's beautiful green and gold. We like that. If we ever get a Widdowson uh, chapter, we're going to see if we'll, they'll let us use the European version as opposed to the American version, which is the, uh, it's like a pyramid with wings or something like that. Yeah, a pyramid with wings. It works, for them, it works for them, but we're very specific on the symbolism that we like, and we like the square and the compass. Well, that all kind of blew up. We like the colors. And because I love to design stuff, and I'm very attuned to because I work in photography, my color is, vision is well above average. I see colors down to single unit. So what I did was, I loved the colors of the European Windows Sun, so I took my little eyedropper, 
and bloop the green, sample the colors, and bloop the gold, and said, those are our colors. Not as a backhand of the widow's sons, just as to show a respect, if you will, that we like their colors. So the history not, and the origin. Yeah, and, like and we're not we're not we're not in Europe. We're not using them. You know, we're using them here, and they're slightly off. They're not exact. But our colors are based off of the European colors, that's all. And we like the colors, and once we found that, we really, it, it's very specific. It takes us out of the 1% problem with, they have these groups out there with green. We don't have a green, it's a completely different shade. That's another reason that it's that particular color too, but it did come from Widow Suns Europe. We love their colors, so we figured we'd show them a little homage by borrowing them. So a Masonic uh, motorcycle organization. Yes. Tell me, uh, that story, if you don't mind, again about uh, you just did a uh, uh, charitable thing with one of the schools, Campobello. Right, uh, Phoenicia uh, Lodge. Every every lodge has basically a, gr a grade school or whatever that they help in any way they can. We do the parent-teacher conference lunches or dinners for them when they're doing the parent-teacher dinner uh, conferences. We show up and make them a nice big dinner, barbecued pork or uh, burgers and dogs and all that stuff. We feed them so they can get some, a meal while they're doing these all-day conferences. They can't get out for dinner, we take care of that. They got everything they need. We got sodas, we got this, we got candy, we got bacon. It's, you know, last time jalapeno, candy jalapenos which went crazy. But part of the reason the Writers was started is so we could promote Freemasonry in a way that was a little bit more overt then because we're a secret society we really don't advertise we really don't recruit per se you know we are who we are we come of our own free will so we just figured maybe a motorcycle group that did good deeds would be a great way to promote freemasonry and we it's actually working because we the first thing we the first concept we came up with was the working tools for students which was getting a kid who works hard is a good student is a good citizen uh, but just needs that little help to possibly become something better something different a better student whatever just an appreciation for the fact that they worked hard and it, nobody noticed oh wait they noticed maybe I'll work a little harder you know that's that's awesome I never knew I could do that you know that kind of stuff just to get the wheel spinning you know, that was the, the basic idea. So once we did that presentation, it was just like, uh, we uh, pr presented two HP Chromebooks to two deserving students at Campobello Elementary School that were chosen by the principal and the teachers as being good students, good citizens, and could just, one little tiny thing like that could make the difference in their lives. And we rode on the, onto the field with letters and the whole deal, and the school went crazy, and. It was one of the best moments of my life because I got to, you know, hopefully make a difference in a couple of kids' lives, or we did as a group, you know, and it is very overt. And what the best part was afterwards, because we've been doing the Bikes for Books program. We give the kids the bikes. They're thrilled. Right. Love that. We, do, we take care of the teachers. They love that. They keep hearing. And then all of a sudden, these guys come in their motorcycles. They're Masons, too. This school keeps hearing about these Masons. We finally, for the first time, said, principal reported back to our contact. The kids and a few of the teachers want to know what Masons are. And some of the kids want to know if there's kids groups for Masons. And there are. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, boom. We, we, we have the potential, if we continue in the path that we're going and the way that we're doing it, 
to impact a group of kids in a specific little area with morals and values that aren't necessarily something that, I'm not saying that they don't have them, I'm just saying that Freemasonry promotes a different way of living than is normal or is what accepted anymore. I mean, for the most part, it's archaic compared to the way, and I don't want to get political, but the way public education is run these days, it's run in a different direction from possibly the way Freemasonry might want to instill different values you know, that may not be in vogue these days. It's an old school way of doing it, it's respect, it's honor, it's being true to your word, it's working hard, it's being respectful, all that stuff is masonry. And who knows if they're getting that or not, but if they went to Dee Malay or Job's Daughters, you know they get, get it. it. And yeah. if we can get like a half a dozen of them, just suck them in. If we have to, if Phoenicia itself and the writers have to pay for their yearly dues, I'll find a way to do that. Right. Because that way we maybe take one or two kids because in my old neighborhood, there was one or two kids that I knew, and I was one of them, that didn't want to live in 10 freaking square miles and just do. You know what I mean? They saw there was a bigger world. You know, one went to Stanford and Harvard. It's a good friend wow. of mine. Yeah, you know, from this great little neighborhood of good people, but with a very small set of goals. They didn't see the world, they just saw the neighborhood. I want these kids to see the world. I'm just hoping for the best. That's all we can do. So one of the things you mentioned was that you you felt like you made a difference. I hope I made a difference, but it felt like I did. Let me flip that back on you. In the time in masonry, are there, are there guys who've made a really big difference on your journey as a mason, guys who stand up to you and maybe embody those ideals that we mm-hmm. think of in Freemasonry? Mm-hmm. One is Coco, Mr. that just passed away. He was one of the first people I've met, and uh, he was so good and so kind and so specific in making sure, especially me, because I'm Hispanic. It was very important for him to see people like him, who spoke Spanish, who were, you know, Hispanic, in masonry, because it was for him a symbol of, once, like, kind of what I think, you know, we, you know, this is good, this is a good thing, diversity, you know, bringing our brothers, another set of brothers in, they've got the whole Spanish-speaking thing. I couldn't even sit through that because I wouldn't understand half of it. I hang out with, you know, too many white people. What can I say? I've lost, I've lost my edge. But, you know, as I talk to these guys, especially the El Quijote guys, um, they were kind of planning, because Coco hasn't been in the best of health, they were going to, we, somehow, Phoenicia has become the place to give presentations. We've given two out-of-state 50-year pins now that the Grand Lodge sends them to us. Wow. So it's kind of fun, you know. We enjoy it. We always have a good time. Um, but they were going to bring... Coco was coming in, and his son from Nevada was coming in, and, and for our third degree on Tuesday, for Jared Tretner, who is the just finished his term as state master counselor for DMLA. Oh yeah, I saw this. Yeah, exactly. So he's getting his. That's uh, exciting. Yeah, totally. That's our second one, and like uh, Johnny Weissman was our first one. We call it Johnny Palooza because it was like you couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting some past grand worshipful right whatever in that room that night. Wow. There was it was just packed. It was awesome. So we figured Jared Palooza is going to be equally gnarly. We were at about <laughs> Jared Palooza. Well, you know, we call it Palooza because you have your degrees. And then you have your Paloozas. Your degrees are maybe 15, 20 people. Your Paloozas are 50 to, we don't even know. We already are at 50 now. Wow. Yeah, and we're, we're a lodge of 62 guys. So to have 50 people show up is huge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll all be working. I mean, you know, we got... Yeah. 
15, pushing a little bit more now, really active. Guys, I mean, we, you know, we got our Master Architect Award. We're the first people in. We got the art paperwork in first because that was my oh, goal. I saw that. Congratulations. Oh, yeah, thank cool. you. It was, you know, it was first, first time last year was the first time in nine years that we didn't get that award. Oh. Yeah, well, things happen. I was determined to not let motivator. I know I was made the best of it. As my secretary says, your laser-like focus has gotten our paperwork in first this year as opposed to missing it by two weeks last year. So, you know, but yeah. So a mixed delight, cocoa. Yeah. Um, Anybody else? Frank Fortuna. I hope I'm getting his name right because he was at the um, uh, friend of friend at Phoenicia the first time I came. That when I finally showed, first up, showed up, just just really just out of nowhere, and he took me into the lodge, which I didn't think I was going to get to do. You know, you you read all these things, you have a perceived idea in your head about Freemasonry, and then you go and you were allowed to walk into this lodge, which I had never been to. They got the nice floor and all that stuff and all the cool symbols and whatnot. And he spoke to me um, about some of that, just to kind of hook me, I think. You know, just some of the stuff that was going on, just to kind of feel who I was. But he was just so, and he, he, I think he might have been our DDG something at the time for Phoenicia. So that's why he was there. He was part of the Grand Lodge. I'm sure he was at the time. That's why he was there. But he just kind of took me around, and I saw him a couple more times after that. And he was always, hey, how you doing? What do you think? You know, making sure that I was still hooked. Because he hooked me first. Like, I give him a lot of credit. When I had my installation, I, want, was, I had a lot of guys I wanted to be there, to be part of my team. But you only get really three. You know, you get your, your installing master, you get your chaplain, you get your um, uh, marshal. For the most part, that's pretty much all you get. Right. Um, so I chose Bill uh, Bill Gerard because he's another one of those guys who's always, hey, you know, just call me Bill and um, listen, man, Bill, we're getting ready to start a motorcycle association for you know whatever. He goes, hey, I'm all for it. That's why he's the only one that got has so far gotten a full vest from us because he was the initial master that put us in the books. He was the one that got us in record. You know that started this journey three years ago. When he they, was grandmaster, when he was grandmaster, they gave me time at the very end after all that mess of that was going well, on. I saw a picture. You had that online. I remember we, that. Yeah, we just. I go. We're not going to be able to give this. We want to give him the best, the whole deal, because he had really backed us. He took pictures with us to give us legitimacy. You know, we were nobody at the time. And uh, at the very last second, when they go, is there anyone who has anything to add? And I went. Before I could think of anything, Mike Jacques pretty much picked me up and shoved me out into the... And he goes, we'll do it then. I go, oh, that's a great idea. So I'm standing up. The junior warden, John Engstrom's thing was in the way, so he couldn't even go to anyone. And before I could do anything, he just literally shoved me out. I went, oh. most virtual grandmaster. We made the presentation. 90... 90 to 100 seconds completely off the cuff in front of 300 people. <sighs> Gave him the thing, walked <coughs> off, and uh, it took me about three days to come from that, down from that. But he cool. was one. Uh, <laughs> Sam uh, Graziano, uh, the Secretary of Scottish Shai, is just... I interviewed Sam. He tells a great story. Good for, just good freaking people. I mean, you don't meet people like that very often. And he is one of the people. And John, John Amadon, same thing. You know, these guys are really important to me. You know, uh, the old guys really. You know, Randy Smith. Uh, or he was our secretary for years. He showed me how to 
give a lecture properly by giving a lecture. And I'm watching and I'm just in awe, you know? I mean, just in awe because he gave a lecture the way I always wanted to give a lecture. I mean, because that's the way I would want to hear it, you know, as a conversation, as something that you take to heart, but not something that somebody's mouthing because they, it. they had to remember because you get nothing from that. I could, the list could go on for days. You know, so tell me, are there any other, you, you've told some pretty good stories already, but there, are there any moments that stand out to you that we haven't talked about yet, so a really memorable time or event or something you want to share about your time in Masonry? You know, it's, it's all really been a journey from the beginning to now, where I'm six months in as master, and I was, uh, I've committed for two years, because we have a hole in the line. Oh, we have a very... Excellent man sitting in the junior warden seat right now that's going to be the master after I'm done two years. Um, and our senior warden is Ray Brigandi, who is the guy I should mention first and foremost because of all the Masons. This is the guy that really has taken it home for me, making me for myself take ownership of the lodge and want to grow it and leave it better than I got it. You know, it's my whole goal is just to make it a little better than I left it. Um, he's just been a rock for me. So I'm, I said, I'll do two years. I said, but this first year, I need you sitting in the West for me because I need to be able to look across the lodge and be able to see a friendly face that I know has my back, no matter what. And he goes, I'll do it. He's been master two and a half times. He's been the secretary. He's been this. He's been he's that. everything. He's, yeah. the, he's the player to be named later. You know, <laughs> he always is. But you know what? The man steps up. When I need somebody to show up for this or that, for a fish visit, he's there. So I knew I could count on him. And I... Six months in, I'm sitting there going, people go, oh, man, you've got 18 more months to go. And I go, I know, I'm running out of time. <laughs> I, seriously, I mean, I hear the horror stories. I hear the masters, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm having a flipping, we're having so much fun. And we are busier than a 500-person lodge. We really are. If we had one guy come in, he thinks he's going to pop in and slide into the line and, and press us all. And in two months, he could, he he tapped out. He couldn't keep up. He could talk his cheek. In Phoenicia, we don't talk. We're too busy to talk. I wish uh, one of the one of the sad parts is a lot of lodges meet on Tuesdays. So when you like we meet on Tuesday number two, I can't come visit you. We're mm -hmm. at lodge. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the unfortunate part. Unfortunately, that's going to ring four times. That's yeah, exactly. it, uh, we have a lot of lodges. I mean, we always want to go to certain lodges, but they meet on the same night. Same night, meet on Tuesday. Because we have our. Uh, uh, official visit type stuff that we got to do with and, and we like to keep it fun we like to go to a lodge where we know the guys pvsd is always convenient you know but we want to go so we're, we're playing trips we're trying to do like road trips to flagstaff for official visits to tombstone anywhere we can go spend the night have a good time go to lodge you know and get home safely but the brotherhood that we get when we're together is why it's what drives Phoenicia. We have a good time. So what would you say to, to guys who are listening to this recording 50, 100 years from now, either brothers in the craft or people who are just curious about masonry, what, what would you say to them? It's the 100-year plan, or what you would call it 100 years from now, is something that drives a lot of what I do as the master, bringing in 150-year-old Bibles, you know, bringing in, you know, really old implements because all of those things have energy stored in them from our brothers from a long time ago. And I want to bring that stuff back. I want everybody to go back and remember because a hundred years from that ago, these guys were using this Bible. When I opened it, when I found it, there was a, 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 a branch of acacia 
in the Shut Bible. Up, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> that 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 actually I used that for I photographed it in place and I used that on the back of my installation program. Another thing I did old school as opposed to doing the uh, uh, the church eight and a half by eleven folded in half for the installation program. I spent six months working doing photography, design, having it printed, picking the right cording that I wanted to use to put it together because I had found one from 1912 from Chicago, uh, an old installation program, and I just became a, I found it on eBay. I paid thirty dollars for it. It was a worthless piece of paper to them. I paid thirty dollars for it because I had to have it because I had to see how they did it. So I could do the same thing in modern technology but get that same feel. I had a friend in Washington, D.C. who hit me on all the proper fonts to use and even the spacing that was proper for that, for a turn of the 18th, 19th century kind of installation type program. So I went down to that kind of detail. I'll show it to you later. But it was something that I wanted to do because that's the way they did it in the old days. You know? so. Hopefully in a hundred years, we've, I've been stuck in stuff in this old Bible that I recommissioned 150 years later, and it's now making masons. We've made four on it now, and I take great pride in each one of those because a hundred and something years later, we're doing it again with the same Bible. Right. We had one brother pass away. I put his information in there too. Oh. And someday this will end up somewhere. Who knows? Maybe it'll get, be kept by the family. Maybe it'll end up on you know eBay 2000 or you know 2150. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and eBay 2150. Yeah. And some <laughs> some future Mason, if Masonry survives, will open up that Bible and they go, Oh wow, look at these guys. Look what they were doing. That's what drives me is that hundred year plan because if we left at least a little bit of mark, that's the writers. That's my little mark. Hopefully, our little right. mark. Uh, all the little things that we do, hopefully we left a little bit of a mark, changed a life here or there, because that's what's important. Made something better. And if you guys can tempt that same attitude, maybe 100 years from then, in 2250, eBay, they'll think the same thing of you. Any, any closing thoughts or last remarks? Uh, I'm always kind of... Uh, Happy that I get an opportunity to talk about things that may be for the future. The last interview I did was for a skateboard shop that opened in 1977. And uh, we're all old men now. We still go there. We still skate. Our kids go there. We mm -hmm. buy stuff from them, and it was a little retrospective. And it was a great opportunity because the first generation of that particular group is starting to get old and die. So all of those stories that I knew as kids and the way we grew up are starting to disappear. So the opportunity to put a little bit of, of what I may have experienced on tape is always kind of cool. So I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you, you betcha. <laughs> Hope that wasn't too wordy. Three to eight minutes.